From APM American Public Media, this is the American Radio Works podcast. I'm Stephen Smith. There is a paradox in today's job market. Even though there are millions of people looking for work, employers say they can't find enough qualified applicants. That's due in part to an abundance of what economists call middle skills jobs, jobs that require specialized training beyond high school but not a four-year college degree. There aren't enough workers with the right training to get these jobs. A new report from the Harvard Business School examines this skills gap and suggests how businesses and educators can work together to solve the problem. This week on the podcast, we're going to speak to one of the authors of that report. But first, here is a story by correspondent Emily Hanford about how one company is trying to bridge the gap in America's middle skills job market. This story originally aired on APM's Marketplace program. This is the factory floor of the Toyota plant in Georgetown, Kentucky where in the short span of 20 hours, a huge ball of steel is transformed into a Camry or an Avalon or a Venza. Every year, this factory produces half a million cars and SUVs. A new one rolls off the line every 54 seconds. How? Robots, for one. But like all machines, robots break down. And finding people who can fix them is a challenge, says Toyota's Dennis Dio Parker. We can't just go out and throw some ads and hire some skilled people. They're not out there. Manufacturers across the country are facing the same problem. In a 2011 survey, three-quarters of executives at U.S. manufacturing companies said a shortage of skilled production workers was having a significant impact on their company's ability to expand. Part of the problem is maintenance is not seen as a real sexy career. Another part, says Toyota's David Cox, is kids today are being told they have to go to college. But colleges aren't turning out graduates with the kinds of skills a lot of employers need. That's why Toyota, in partnership with 15 other manufacturers in need of skilled workers, has set up its own two-year degree program. Right now, I'm in my uh, motors control class, really my electricity side of the program. Students like Dalton Ballard are learning to be advanced manufacturing technicians, or AMTs. They're the ones who fix the robots. Classes take place at Toyota in a 12,000-square-foot classroom with equipment to teach things like fluid power and motors and controls. So you can see where the wire is. This is our power supply, which is 24 volts DC. Ballard has his hands inside a metal box full of blue wires. He's learning to install a switch. Technical skills are a big focus of this program. But students take general education classes, too, including math, humanities, and public speaking. As you all know, your demonstration speeches start next week, so you all got your outlines back for that uh, last class session. The AMT program is a partnership with a local community college, but all courses are chosen or designed by Toyota. Ballard wasn't sure at first why he needed to learn public speaking skills. But I really use them a lot now. Instead of just being like, oh, that part moves and uh, that one extends a little bit, now I can actually explain it. Along with taking classes, students do paid internships. After they graduate, they typically get hired full-time. Starting pay for advanced manufacturing technicians can be as much as $80,000 a year with overtime. Emily Houston, who always assumed she'd get a bachelor's degree, actually quit the University of Kentucky to do the AMT program instead. I just kind of decided it wasn't so much about the degree as it was about the job that I was going to get with that degree. Toyota has AMT programs in seven states, including Kentucky. The program here got off to a slow start in 2010. But in the last year alone, the number of students has grown from 16 to more than 40. 
Houston, who has an internship at 3M, expects to get a full-time job when she graduates this spring. And because 3M is a global corporation... I could get on full-time here and then transfer to another plant in California or in France. Houston says she's always wanted to travel and once thought getting a bachelor's degree would be the way to do it. But it turns out knowing how to fix robots might be just as good. That was a report by American Radio Works correspondent Emily Hanford. We turn now to Joe Fuller. He is a professor at Harvard Business School and one of the authors of a new report titled Bridge the Gap, Rebuilding America's Middle Skills. Joe Fuller, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Stephen. So your report asserts that our current system of training people for middle skills jobs is not working. What's, what's going wrong? Well, it's an accumulation of problems that have played out over a long period of time. The biggest are that employers have stopped investing in building relationships with educators that will provide them with the type of skilled workers they anticipate needing. And the education community has become more distant and removed from employers uh, in terms of understanding why graduates of their existing programs aren't getting the positions that are available. So what happens to a business when it can't fill its jobs? Well, unfortunately, uh, the consequences can, can compound the very problem that we now see. The first is that they uh, will seek some other solution to the problem. Now, some of the research we did at Harvard indicated that employers are disproportionately uh, inclined to invest in technology that will replace Uh, the need for a full-time worker, or to turn to a third-party vendor to do that work for them. That vendor could be in in Cincinnati or in Sacramento, or it could be in in China or in Sao Paulo. The company doesn't care necessarily where the work is done, just so long as they get access to the, the product or services they need. So companies start making decisions when they can't fill positions that often cause those positions to be permanently eliminated from their workforce. Another thing that employers are doing is, frankly, it's, it, I don't mean to make it sound disparaging, but they, they dumb the job down. If they can't get someone with the skills they need, they break the job into component parts, hire less skilled workers who make less and have uh, less opportunity for advancement in order to fill their needs. So what sort of things can be done uh, that are politically feasible to bridge this gap between the middle skills jobs that employers need to fill and the workforce that isn't trained well enough to fill those jobs? Well, there are a number of things that we think are very practical and that people across not only the political spectrum, but that employers and educators and policymakers can all agree are just simply a good idea. The first is that we want uh, employers not acting out of some sense of social responsibility, but just out of enlightened self-interest, to understand that the chronic shortage of certain middle skills jobs is not going to resolve itself without them taking some action. The actions they need to take are, first of all, to get much more specific about what are the capabilities and competencies that are required to meet their need for these middle skills jobs, and to find vehicles for communicating those requirements to educators and workforce providers. Educators have got to cast 
aside a bit of an attitude that many of them do express, which is that they're about education and they view the employment situation as a byproduct of uh, what they do, not a direct outcome. Having a much greater focus, particularly at the level of community colleges, on success is articulated by their graduates or certificate receivers getting a, a good job, getting a job that has a future. Policymakers have an incredibly important role to play here too, Stephen, which is the information in this market is really the principal source of the problem. It's terrible. We, the, the information we have about what jobs are out there, and there are, there's a lot of distortion uh, in that because people post the same job in multiple sites, people post jobs in anticipation of turnover. So the picture on the demand side is cloudy. The picture in terms of what are the educational requirements that fit with the job requirements, all of that is very hazy. And if we're asking the typical 19, 20, 21-year-old to sort through the morass of data uh, in order to make these very important choices they have, we're inviting them to make poor decisions. And those poor decisions have lifelong consequences. So American Radio Works recently released a documentary about uh, advances in career and technical education at the high school level. How might... Uh, more access to high-quality vocational education help deal with this issue of the middle skills gap? That would be a a very, very important step in the right direction. Vocational education in a lot of districts was virtually criminalized in in the last 30 years. It was made uh, uh, very hard to access and, and characterized as very regressive from policymakers and social leaders on down. We have sent messages to kids that if you do not go to four-year college, you're on a path to failure with only 34% of, of students matriculating from four-year college with a two-four-year program and finishing it. We've essentially sent a lot of people who would be interested in the types of work that can be access by going through a vocational ed program, and importantly, their parents or caregivers, that, that that's a, a second-class citizenship uh, path. And the number one reason that students drop out of high school is they don't know why they're there. They're bored. They don't want to read Moby Dick. They don't want to study the ancient Egyptians. They don't want to, uh, you know, take uh, uh, chemistry. And if you can give those kids access, not merely to activities that they find more intuitive and more naturally interesting to them, but also tether those vocational education opportunities to employers where the students are not merely working in a facility that's on campus, but also they get exposed to what work is like. What does it feel like to be in a place of employment? What is the nature of doing the task they're studying in school? That type of apprenticeship or co-op education is incredibly important for, first of all, to let kids really understand what their studying might lead to and is it something they actually want to do. But it also critically starts developing what are called their soft skills. If most young people don't have an experience of what's required to be successful in a workplace, 
whether it's punctuality, the ability to deal with a, a demographically diverse group of people, particularly older people, uh, the capacity to get negative feedback and respond to it. And, and critically across most jobs, the, the, the soft skill that, that's most conducive to success is attention to detail. And there's nothing like being in the actual workplace and experiencing it to have young people start building a better appreciation of the importance of soft skills. Uh, and that is critical not only for them to be successful getting a job, but keeping a job. And we know uh, the, the, the data on a high school or high school plus some post-secondary education uh, that doesn't get full-time employment by the age of 25 or 26 is very, very daunting. The odds that they will end up in a full-time job go down by a factor of three. Joe Fuller is a professor at the Harvard Business School and one of the authors of a new report, Bridge the Gap, Rebuilding America's Middle Skills. Thank you so much. Thank you, Stephen. You can find a link to this report on our website, and there you'll also find more podcasts about issues in K-12 education and higher ed. And you can also browse the archive of more than 100 documentary projects and let us know what you think of our coverage. AmericanRadioWorks.org. We are on Facebook at American.RadioWorks, and we're on Twitter at AMRadioWorks. Support for American Radio Works comes from Lumina Foundation, the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation, and the Spencer Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM, American Public Media.